Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Well, thank you so much for joining us once again for Everything Under the Sun, the AccuWeather podcast. I'm Eddie Rob from the AccuWeather Radio Network, and I'm joined in the studio by executive producer Ken Prowl. Ken, how are you? All right, Andy. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. And of course, we're not alone in the studio today because, well, I, 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 we got to toot our own horn a little bit. One of our most popular episodes of well, Everything Under the hosting, Sun. hosting, it can only be one time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but one of our most popular episodes of Everything Under the Sun as of recently was our our Astronomy 101 episode. That's right. Yeah. It did monster downloads for us. So uh, back by popular demand, back Ooh. in the studio, let's go around. <laughs> let's introduce who do we have back with us from AccuWeather Astronomy. I'm Dave Samuel, a meteorologist here at AccuWeather, and I write the astronomy blog. And I'm Brian Leda. I'm a meteorologist and journalist for AccuWeather, uh, writing about all things astronomy. It is awesome to have you guys back in the studio. Thank you once Great again. Yeah. Uh, yes, yeah, so we were talking a little bit about early fall events in our last episode from September 18th. What has gone on since then? Have you guys seen any uh, particular events of, uh, that you witnessed? Yeah, it's been pretty cool. We've had a couple of meteor showers. Um, uh, there's, it seems like there's always some kind of meteor shower going on throughout the fall. Just had the uh, Orionids, a top five meteor shower of the year, and uh, some cool uh, planetary alignments. Uh, uh, Jupiter's getting pretty low in the horizon, so it can team up with the crescent moon, and that's something I think we'll talk about over the next couple of months. Should be pretty cool to see. So, Ryan? Yeah, and on top of that, the nights are getting longer as we head through fall and then eventually into winter. So, you have so a lot more opportunity to yeah. see stuff. Yeah, a more lot stars. more time. You know, you should change the name of this from everything under the sun to everything under the stars. I, just, <laughs> I love it. Let's do it. There you go. <laughs> I mean, this has got to kind of be an exciting time for you guys because, it, I mean, it seems like with technology, there's something new happening all the time. Like I just saw recently that Saturn has passed Jupiter in terms of number of moons, you know, that have been discovered. How does that happen? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's something we're looking at all the time, right? Now, all of a sudden, we have a whole bunch of new moons that we've just discovered around Saturn. Yeah, they discovered something like 20 new moons, and I forget what that brings the total up to, but it surpassed Jupiter, and so Saturn now has more moons than any other, not planet in our solar system, but every known planet that we know of. These moons are so small that okay. nobody's been able to track them before until we've had better equipment, better mm -hmm. telescopes, like you said. Technology has improved, so uh, some of these moons are quite small and you know, basically just rocks in orbit around uh, Jupiter, so, but, um, or around Saturn, but they still, they count. And some of them have really odd orbits, like mm -hmm. they spin around Saturn different than every other moon that it has. So it's not just a typical moon, they're really irregular, and like Dave said, they're really small. Yeah, but some of them were around from when the planet formed others, Saturn's so big, it has a strong gravitational pull. It just grabs these uh, rocks that are randomly passing through space. And they're like, hey, we're in orbit now around Saturn just because the planet's so massive. Well, I think, you know, there's so much about, you know, looking outside of our solar system and, you know, kind of looking outside our galaxy and stuff like that, looking at other places. But there's a lot of fun stuff happening in our own backyard here, okay. right? Yeah. Yep, absolutely. So, yeah, we got some uh, action-packed events, I think, over the next uh, uh, couple of uh, weeks and months uh, to come. So, yeah, always a lot going on. We have uh, more meteor showers to look forward to. So Yeah, not only that, but we have some planetary 
not really alignments, but when you look in the sky, planets that are right next to each other, mm-hmm. or the moon right next to a couple of planets, and that makes it really fun to stargaze. Yeah, Every think, night brings yeah, something different. End of November, I think we're looking at Venus and uh, Jupiter uh, to be side by side, and then the moon will be thrown into the mix too. So around the 25th, 26th, I believe. Yeah, I think like the that. best is the 24th, but okay. every night around that, like from the 20th through the 30th, in the evening sky, when you look to the east, right after sunset, Jupiter and Venus are going to be right next to each other. Yeah, you can't miss them. They're the brightest thing in the sky. They're brighter than any star. So, I mean, obviously, the moon's brighter, but still, yeah. as far as pinpoint light sources go, they're 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 very noticeable. So, so for somebody that cool. like hasn't seen that, like with their naked eye, those planets, can you describe in a way what it might look like? How different does it look from a star? Is there like a is there a difference in color, or is it just like you said, Dave? Or is it more bright? I think yeah, I think mostly they look like stars to the naked eye. I mean, when you zoom in on them with a telescope or binoculars, you see like a disc, but um, it's basically just a point of light to uh, the naked eye observation. So, But they're just really bright. I mean, it looks like a star, but it's like 10 times brighter uh, than uh, most of the stars you see in the night sky. And also it pops out uh, before it gets completely dark because it's so bright, you'll be able to see it in twilight right after sunset. So as a piece of advice for somebody that's, you know, just looking at it with their eyes, I know that in the last episode when you were on, we talked about, you know, some apps that you can download, you know, to look up in the sky, stargazing apps. Uh, with they if they see something and that looks like bright you know it says well maybe that might not be a star then they pull out the app and they that'll help them yeah. uh, oh absolutely yeah if you're questioning whether hey is that saturn or jupiter i'm looking at yeah that's when the app's good you know maybe not so good when we're trying to sit outside for a long period of time watching a meteor shower because mm-hmm. we encourage people to try not to look at any light source but yeah if you're trying to uh, figure out what a star is what a constellation is those apps are awesome especially the point and shoot ones it's it's obviously fall um we're talking about you know events coming up and we'll get to that in just a second but let me ask both of you and you both can answer as you'd like are there differences between stargazing in the fall and winter months as opposed to spring and summer? And if so, what are they? Well, I guess for – and the short answer is, yeah, you're looking at different stars at night just because the Earth's going around the sun. So the stars that we see at night during the summertime are basically like you know the sun's right in the middle of them, so you can't see them. So we're facing a different a part of the night sky. And in fact, you know we're going to be losing the Milky Way, uh, but we'll be looking uh, towards the outer fringes of the solar system. So some are that the night sky is actually a lot darker during the wintertime because of the lack of the Milky Way. And we're kind of staring out into space, more or less. And not only that, the atmospheric conditions are different. In the summertime, you have really hazy nights with all the humidity. Mm -hmm. But when we head into winter, you have a lot crisper nights. There's less moisture in the atmosphere. So you see the twinkling stars a bit clearer, really crisp. It's really good for stargazing. Is that also kind of lends a hand as to why the moon seems brighter during that time of yeah. year? Yeah, it might. It shouldn't. Uh, it's the uh, absolute point. It's not any brighter during the winter than the summer, but I think that could play a role. <laughs> and the stars in the winter months, they'll definitely appear to twinkle more than they do in the summer months. Even if you're looking at the same star from the summer and the winter, they'll still appear a little different because in the wintertime, they're going to have that extra twinkle to them. Okay, then let me take that question and let me just go back just a little bit. So if it has more of a twinkle in like, you know, the fall and the winter, does that make it harder to identify what may or may not be a planet like we just talked about? Uh, not really, although planets mostly don't twinkle, although they, with for close to the horizon, they can. But mm-hmm. mostly stars are the ones that are twinkling up there. Yeah. And that's one way that you could tell the difference between stars and planets. Stars will definitely be twinkling twinkling, mm-hmm. but the planets won't be. So if you see you know, a really bright star and a really bright planet, you can tell the difference between that twinkle. Are there certain places in the United States that uh, are better for, for stargazing? Oh, certainly. Yeah. It, 
anywhere away from a city. If you're stargazing in New York City, you're not going to have as many stars visible as if you're in the middle of nowhere in Nevada. Um, a lot of national parks are great for stargazing or even just local parks where there's fewer lights. Yeah. Um, the farther away you are from you know, the big cities, the more you're going to be able to see. But if you're looking at like uh, you know a certain location, maybe you want to do a little bit of a road trip. We have these events coming up here in November and December. I want to do a little bit of a road trip. Go somewhere. Would you rec- Where would you recommend? I would recommend pretty much any kind of park. Okay. Um, like I said, the farther away from the city, the mm-hmm. better. Um, but you also want to make sure you have a good view of the horizon. So you don't want to go somewhere with a lot of trees. So if you're up kind of higher, like on a plateau or something like that, not necessarily a mountain peak, but kind of the higher elevation, you know, you're a bit higher from your surroundings, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Like a park's a good idea, even in the populated areas. I mean, you'll have some background city light, but at least in a park, it'll be dark. And a lot of these parks are open to uh, stargazing groups in the in the uh, nighttime hours. A lot of times parks close at sunset, but you can look up uh, in your community and find a, a stargazing uh, group uh, that likely meets at a park. So just, yeah, like Brian said, to have a clear view of the horizon, that's good. So, I mean, obviously the best would be probably be out west and higher in elevation too. Mm-hmm. A lot of mountaintops, if you're going to have an observatory it's usually at a mountaintop you get above all that haze layer that's in the lower portions of the atmosphere and uh, so the sky is much clearer but that doesn't i don't think it takes away like if you live in a big city you can still see some of the night sky so you know it's worth you know talking about what you can see there like the planets and obviously the moon uh it's still plenty bright enough to be seen through um, city lights and even during meteors yeah say even during meteor showers you're not going to see quite as many but you're still going to see yeah. some of the brighter meteors yep. mm-hmm. Yeah, and some of our biggest meteor showers have very bright meteors, so yeah. it's definitely you know worth taking a look, even if you're in the city, if you're interested. So we're talking about some astronomy events that are coming up. We covered that in the last show, but there are some other significant ones coming up uh, for you know November, December. Let's talk about that. What are some of those events coming up, guys? Okay, we have a couple of meteor showers. Um, the Towards has been ongoing for a while now, and uh, that will continue. And one of my favorites is a Leonids. We'll get into <laughs> why I like that one so much later. But uh, the Towards, it's an interesting... Um, a, uh, an interesting um, meteor shower because it doesn't have a big peak. I think it's like five meteors per hour. So that's not a lot, but it's one of those things where it makes up, uh, you know, it's quality over quantity where uh, towards are famous for fireballs. And we've seen a lot of that. And every year there's always some crazy fireball videos and a lot of them are towards this time of year. Yeah. And that one peaks the night of November 5th into November 6th. And even the net or two before that, you're still going to see some, like Dave mentioned, it's only about five, maybe 10 an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, but the ones you see are definitely going to be significant. I was going to say, if that's your first like time, like, you know, yeah. seeing one of those, that number per hour is still pretty significant for somebody that's a newcomer, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And if you're going to dedicate the time, you're going to see meteors. You just have to give yourself, you know, at least a half an hour to just stare at the night sky. So your eyes you're can serious. adjust because we were talking yeah. about that in the last yeah. episode, right? Yeah. yeah. And sometimes it, they come in clumps. Like we say 10 per hour, but that doesn't mean there's like one every 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there could be like three in a minute and then nothing for like 20 minutes. So. Mm-hmm. It's a little chaotic. But get yourself set up. Get yourself comfortable. Yeah, Maybe yeah. get yourself one of those zero gravity chairs. Oh, yeah. Here, <laughs> here it is. Zero I brought it in. Yeah. Here is a picture oh, of the zero perfect. gravity chair yes. that you can re- you can uh, recline it all I, the way back. And I'm lay a big straight. fan. That's a lot better than sitting in a chair and keeping your uh, head pointing straight up. <laughs> Say, when you get you old go. like me, you know, you start to get cricks in your neck, and yeah, yeah it's not good. Thanks for bringing <laughs> the picture here on an audio podcast. <laughs> yeah. You're like really, really helping the audience at home on that one. They can hear it at least. So I don't feel too dumb about it. It's not a chair just floating. 
floating around in yeah, orbit. Yeah. At least. <laughs> so let's talk about the Leonids then, Dave. What, what, what would oh, yeah, be the difference between two of those? Yeah, this is my number one shower, even though in a uh, year-in, year-out basis, it's not very active. produces 10 or 15 uh, meteors per hour, and I think this year's about the same, about 15. It's a solid shower, uh, but it's it's a really weird shower because it's the only shower that's actually turned into an all-out raging meteor storm in the past. Uh, what does that mean? Uh, that basically means that um, uh, the uh, meteor count just uh, much higher than uh, what your typical meteor shower would be. So say the Perseids, we always get about 100 meteors per hour. Well, during the lean and meteor storms, it's thousands per hour. And in some wow. cases, uh, back in 1966, we had one that had uh, 40 meteors per second. So basically the whole sky was lit up with meteors. And that's why, it, that's why it goes from shower to storm. Yeah, right exactly. There. <laughs> yeah. So it's just about all about the number. So the Leonids is just, it's produced several of these. Uh, back in the 18, I think it was 1833, might not have that exactly right in Boston. It produced so many meteors. It was like the amount of flakes that you would see during a snowstorm wow. in the sky. So, I mean, obviously that's <laughs> a pretty, lot. That's pretty impressive right there. <laughs> yeah. So it's such a weird shower because usually it's kind of a dud, but uh, astronomers, I mean, that the forecasting of these have come a long way and it was predicted that uh, 2001 would be a meteor storm. And I actually witnessed that mm-hmm. uh, right after I started here at AccuWeather. I was on the midnight shift, got out at like 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. And like, hey, I hear there's supposed to be a good meteor shower tonight. I was like, yeah, whatever. And sure enough, the sky just lit up. You could just see a meteor, at least one in the sky throughout the entire night, if not multiple. Unfortunately, that's totally the exception to the mm-hmm. rule. And the Leonids is usually a pretty tame shower. And, um, you know, the astronomy uh, forecasters don't predict another meteor storm for probably the end of the century. So yeah. we might be out of luck. They say generally with this shower, it's about every 33 years. Um, but even every 33 years, it's tough to say how strong that storm's going to be. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if the last one was in 2001, we can't see another one of those until, what's that, 2034? Yeah. So they are predicting an enhancement more like 100 per hour. But so it brings it into the uh, like the realm of the um, the Geminids and the Perseids, but um, not quite uh, the epic levels it's done in the previous history. We're, what, about 10, 15 minutes into this conversation. I probably should have started off with this. But <laughs> <laughs> what exactly is a meteor shower? So a meteor shower is when the Earth passes through a field of debris left behind by a comet. Um, for example, in, o- in October, we had the Orionian meteor shower, and that's actually caused when the Earth passes through a field of debris left behind by Halley's Comet. Really? We all know Halley's Comet yeah, it comes yeah. around every 76 years. It, every time it leaves behind a little bit of dust and debris. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we see the comet tail, that's all the dust and debris that's getting flown off. And so the Earth passes through that and... Every one of those little bits of dust and dirt or whatever it's left behind burns up in the Earth's atmosphere, and that causes that bright glow that's of a meteors. Uh-huh. Yeah, so a lot of times they're the size of a grain of sand, and that's enough to bring a really bright streak. Really, that's and, it. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's incredible. It happens about a forty to fifty miles up. So you might be worried about like airplanes encountering mm-hmm. meteors. That doesn't happen because they burn up well before they reach uh, that part of the atmosphere where the airplanes fly. But kind of gives you a perspective because you see how close they go and just know they're forty miles away and compare how quick a meteor streaks to compare to how quick a plane moves, and it shows you that these things are hauling. <laughs> Now, yeah. another question I had was, you know, sometimes you're looking at these things and, and they can appear to be different colors. Is that actually true? Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that's just based on the chemical makeup of uh, whatever the debris is. Uh, sometimes there's metals involved and uh, different uh, metals that emanate different colors. So um, we have a scale you can find on our uh, AccuWeather Astronomy uh, page that uh, shows, you know, what kind of a material emits a certain color. So, but yeah, basically all the colors of the rainbow are possible with these, uh, you know, different, you know, meteors. Yeah, if you 
have a meteor that's made of iron, it's actually going to glow yellow. Okay. Uh, if it's sodium, it's going to be orange. Magnesium, it's like a teal color. So depending on the different color you see, it's different chemical that these little grains of sand are made of that are hitting Earth's atmosphere. Yeah, and as Dave said, we got a great article on AccuWeather.com explaining all this. Exactly. Yep. Mm-hmm. We're talking about also some other events in uh, November. And Brian, you you mentioned this to me, and, and then I followed up with Dave about it. Mercury Transit. Tell us about it. What is it? So this is one of the top astronomy events of the year. It's really rare. It's called a transit. Okay. And this is when Mercury is going to pass directly between the Earth and the Sun. So with the right equipment, you can actually see a little black dot moving across the face of the sun. Really? Yeah. And that's the planet Mercury, yep. the closest planet to the sun. Um, and it, the next time it's going to happen is not until 2032. So if you miss it on November 11th this year, you're going to wait a little bit of time. <laughs> November. Is there like a peak time where where it might happen or do you just kind of just go out there and just. Wait and see. So this event happens over the course of about five hours. It's going to start pretty much right around sunrise across the United States. It lasts for, you know, a couple of hours. The important thing, though, and I cannot stress this enough, Mm -hmm. is you need the right equipment. Uh, You need a solar filter. Like back during the solar eclipse that we had a couple years ago, everyone had those eclipse glasses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, you remember this. You need something like that to look at the sun. Otherwise, you could damage your eyes, which you definitely don't want to do. Okay. Unfortunately, it looks like, you know, the eclipse glasses, you could still use them. You might get lucky and see it. I think Mercury is so tiny, though, it might not quite show up to the naked eye. And you don't want to have your uh, eclipse glasses on and hold up binoculars to them because they're technically not safe uh, to do it that way. You need you need the uh, the cover, the, the front of the lens to be covered. By oh, the, I get it. So it filter. wouldn't be safe because yeah, right. that light is coming yeah, you're in. You're that light. Yeah. And, the, so, the, and uh, it goes like right to your, ooh. Right. Yeah. yeah. yeah that probably <laughs> yeah. wouldn't be That's, very good. Be good thing you brought that up, dangerous. Dave, because yeah. I saw Andy already <laughs> making plans there. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the old, uh, so it's a, so you said it was called a uh, solar filter? Yeah, solar filter. It's basically just a cover that filters out everything except the brightest light. Where would you be able to get one of those? You can get them online. They're fairly cheap. I just bought a quote-unquote nice one from my telescope. That mm-hmm. was $30. Okay. So you can get ones that still work that are even cheaper than that for a pair of binoculars or a telescope that you may have. Just remember, put it in front of the telescope, not, <laughs> not you know, be, right not, where you're looking right. through. You wouldn't be doing yourself any favors if you just I, – I mean, that makes yeah. perfect sense. Yeah. But yeah. it's good that we covered that. Yeah. <laughs> and some people ask, you know, if this happens with Mercury, does it happen with Venus? And the answer is yes, but far more infrequently. Uh, it happens what they call twice in a lifetime with Venus. Uh, it happened in 2004 and mm-hmm. 2012. And it won't happen again until the 2100s. Oh. So, so we missed it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, basically. Did you guys get? Did you guys see it? I did not. No, but uh, there's there's a lot of awesome videos out there of it. So I was fortunate enough to see it. I remember oh, cool. specifically in 2004. This might make me sound a little young, but I was a, a little <laughs> kid, and I, I had I shouldn't have done this, but a bunch of pairs of sunglasses, and I looked up <laughs> at the sun while standing at the bus stop, and I saw Venus in front of the sun, and it was just it blew my mind. That's awesome. So you weren't kidding, man. The, the, you've been into this for a good while. Yeah. Yeah, that's you know how many pairs of, how many pairs of sunglasses did you have? And I, like, I had about five taped together, which yeah. you shouldn't do. That does not filter out all the sunders. You yeah. need these solar filters. But when so. you're a kid, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, if I ask my parents, "Can I buy a solar filter?" They just look at me weird. No, just take five pairs of sunglasses yeah. and go out to the bus yeah. stop. <laughs> so a solar filter is yep. is a must. Now, one of the questions. That, that I wanted to have about those solar filters, you know, those, those, you were talking about those eclipse glasses. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a pair of those from the eclipse and it 
said that there was like an expiration date on those. Do solar filters or that special kind of material, does that actually expire? Is it Does it kind of break down? They're technically good as long as you keep them in good shape. If they're from a certified vendor with a specific ISO number on them, which you could look, look up online, it's going to be printed on the glasses. As long as they're not scratched or there's no holes in them, they should be good. Mm-hmm. Um, if you yeah, want to play- Andy, yours was a giveaway from a convenience store, so I, w- I would look into <laughs> buying something. Okay, so I should probably look <laughs> yeah. into well, buying a better When one. in doubt, just spend the extra couple bucks and buy a new pair for the safety of your eyes. For the safety, but, yeah. I mean, I, that's a small investment to make exactly. in terms of protecting your eyes because you want to keep seeing yeah. you know, those, those, those wonderful events. So so let me just go back here for a second. Uh, Mercury transit, how often does that occur? Happens about 13 times every century. Wow. Uh, So it happened last in 2016, I believe, and it's happening again uh, this year on November 11th, which is a Monday. And then it's not going to happen again until, I believe, November of 2032. So what plans do you guys have for Mercury transit? Are you going to be covering it at all or... Well, I not to brag, but I'll be on vacation. I'll be on a cruise ship uh, in Hawaii, so oh, I, might wow. be, uh, I probably won't be too worried about it. <laughs> well, Dave, I'll certainly Dave, I'm coverage. really feeling sorry for you that you're yeah. going to miss it on your cruise. Yeah. Well, people in Hawaii will be able to see it, so yeah, so, yeah maybe I should. But yeah, hauling an appointment through the airport, yeah, it's gonna be hard enough to get myself through there. But, yeah. um, but we will be broadcasting it on our AccuWeather pages, the AccuWeather Astronomy page. I have the right setup, so we're going to try to do a Facebook Live. If you oh, go nice. to the, if you go to yeah. the AccuWeather Astronomy Facebook page, we're going to be trying to do a Facebook Live at some point during the morning. Um, and then we might be doing a couple other things here at AccuWeather. Uh, so stay tuned to our astronomy accounts. We'll fill you in on the details. That's fantastic. That's very exciting. So you guys are really, I mean, I know that you're probably, Dave, you're probably going to wind up yeah, taking I'm, a peek. I'm, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna if it all works yeah. out, you're gonna you're <laughs> yep. gonna be watching. Yep. What's the uh, date for that again? Uh, November 11th. Yep. And so if you don't have enough time, or you forget, you know, slip to your mind, and you don't have time to get a solar filter, just tune into us. We got you covered. Yep. Excellent. That's great. How about uh, for the month of December? It looks like uh, there are a couple more uh, meteor showers coming up, as well as a new, another uh, full moon in December. Let's talk about uh, December just a little bit. Yes. Yeah, so the uh, arguably the most active meteor shower of the year occurs in December. Uh, they believe the 13th and the 14th of Geminids peak. Um, very uh, active shower produces over 100 meteors per hour. So that's right on par with the Perseids. I'm sure many have seen that in August. And uh, the problem with the Geminids, it's, it's December and it's cold and a mm-hmm. lot of places uh, can be cloudy. But still, that's a very active shower. I think that's probably the highlight of the month of uh, December. Yeah. However, though uh... – the full moon of December happens the night before. Yeah. So, so, so that's going to – It's going to affect it. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're up looking at the Geminids, you're going to have the full moon there. That's going to kind of wash out some of the dimmer meteors. So unfortunately, you're not going to see the full peak of the shower of over 100 per hour. You're still going to see a decent number yeah. though. You'll see the bright ones. This shower mm-hmm. has a lot of bright meteors and it doesn't matter if the moon's out or not. You'll still be able to see them. But yeah, like Brian said, it'll cut down on the overall number. But we encourage people, you know, if you're going to be out there and dealing with the moon, just try not to look right at it because you don't need to look at one part of the sky to see meteors. You can just, uh, you know, look away from the moon and another part of the sky and you'll still see some. Just try to keep that bright light. That, that was one of the things that we talked about yeah, in the last exactly, episode. Most yeah, people, you know, really their, their eyes are automatically drawn, right? Like you were saying before, to, to, to 
should look at the moon, right, yeah, but yeah. you you know you got to try to break that a little exactly, bit and yeah. and and avoid it. Mm-hmm. And circling back around, the Geminids are known for having multicolor meteors. So you might see some meteors streaking in a little bit of different colors because they're made up of all these different elements. Very cool. Yep. Mm-hmm. See, I never noticed that kind of stuff, and that's that's unbelievable to to think about all the different things that go into it. You know, you can take like, we've talked about it before. You know, you can take those kind of things for granted. You look up in the sky, you don't really think about it, but then you you think about it, like what you guys explained here, all the different elements and and things that can go into it. it, it it's really something amazing and i i can see why you guys are still so interested in it yeah, yeah some of these details are really subtle but they're there and when you notice them it makes a big difference yeah it's wild so it's just you think about it we have all these different kinds of metal floating around and it's interesting because they move so fast so you know if we ever have a, a meteor strike from something that's big it could be solid metal it's happened in the past but mm-hmm. i mean these things move about 40 miles per second so if you have a sizable wow. solid metal chunk of metal heading your way i mean it's going to hit at 40 miles per second. That's going to cause problems, but just a little side note there. (laughs) (laughs) I want to do uh, one more follow-up on equipment as well. We talked about equipment for beginners and and things like that, and for the more intermediate stargazers. Are there any things, uh, we talked about the the solar filters, are there any things coming up over the next few months where people might have to maybe go out and and do something that they, they, they can't use the naked eye for? Is there other equipment suggestions that you might have for the fall and winter months? Not. I mean, the main one you need equipment for would be the Mercury Transit. Otherwise, yeah. I mean, we try to focus everything on what you're going to see just by, you know, taking yourself out in the backyard and, you know, looking up at the sky. So, you know, a lot of astronomy, it just, you know, no equipment's necessary. I mean, it's nice, but you can enjoy plenty without it. One thing that is returning to the sky this winter is Sirius. I believe I'm saying that right. Yeah, Sirius. Yeah, Sirius. It's yeah. the dog star. Um, and it rises right after Orion. And it's the brightest star in the night sky, so you can't miss it. And if you have a telescope and zoom in on Sirius, it's actually two stars. Oh, really? Yeah. It's a really bright star and then a dim star. They call that a binary system. There's actually two stars that are kind of orbiting each other. Very cool. So to the naked eye, you see one really bright star. But then when you focus your telescope in on it, you see two. I know. There's another. Yeah, that's cool. Wow. That I've, that I've never heard of that before. Oh. What was that called again? Uh, Sirius, the dog star. Yeah, we see it right in the middle of winter in the northern hemisphere. Southern hemisphere, it's more prevalent throughout the course of the year. So it's bright. It's similar to one of the planets. It's not quite as bright, but you, mm-hmm. it can be confused for a planet. Like me and Brian have seen in the past. You're like, whoa, look at that thing. You know, it's almost as bright as a Jupiter or Venus. But um, I was also going to mention a Venus will be more prominent in the evening sky, especially in December. It will be higher each night. So you won't miss it after sunset. You'll see this very bright. It's called, been called the evening star, even though it's obviously a planet. But um, that's something else cool to see with a telescope, too. I mean, obviously, it's bright enough to see with the naked eye. But uh, Venus is usually in a, a crescent shape when we see it, similar to, you know, the moon goes through phases. So does Venus. I think I know the answers to both of these, but I just want to ask. Out of all the things that we covered today, which astronomy events are you the most excited for coming up? Dave, we'll start with you. Um, I probably have to say uh, the uh, meteor showers uh, coming up, the Leonids, and then again, the uh, Geminids. So I think Brian's answer might be different to that question. <laughs> yeah, and you're right, it is. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this Mercury transit on November 11th. I've had my sights set on this for a couple months now, and I just can't wait to see it. I've never seen this before. I've seen the Venus one, but not the Mercury one. Yeah, and you're the one that came to us with this suggestion to say, hey, you know, I want to talk about Mercury transit. And yeah. I was just like, what is that? And I'm glad <laughs> yeah, that we yeah. finally got to figure out and what like that Brian is. Like Brian said, AccuWeather, AccuWeather will be all over this, of course, on our page, AccuWeather.com. Where else can we, you know, follow all this stuff? I know we have a Facebook page, Twitter. Right? Uh, yeah, Facebook, uh, Twitter. Um, if you just go to AccuWeather.com, we have 
our stories that we'll be publishing on the website and also Dave's astronomy blog. He'll go more in depth about that stuff. There's a whole blogs area of our website. Mm -hmm. Um, And then a couple other websites will probably be covering it. Earthsky.org also gives good insight on what's happening. And I believe SLU will be doing live broadcasts. So there's going to be a bunch of coverage outside of just AccuWeather, but you should come to us first. (laughs) That's where I'll be. (laughs) (laughs) So one more time, um, you know, from all of us here at AccuWeather, it's great to have you on Everything Under the Sun. Dave Samuel, Brian Later from AccuWeather Astronomy. We should plan on having you guys back again. Is there going to be things coming up? is it never too early yeah. to start thinking you know, about the spring? Well, things will keep popping off right into the early next year. I will have another really good uh, meteor shower in early January, and you know, we'll go on from there. There's never a dull moment in astronomy. There's always something to talk about. Yep. You can catch all of it with AccuWeather Astronomy. So once again, guys, thank you so much for coming in, spending time with us today. Absolutely. Glad anytime. to be here. Yeah, and thanks so much for tuning in to Everything Under the Sun. We'll talk to you soon. 